Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fourth Down Focus brought to you by Believe Podcast Network. I am Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of Fourth Down University, a company focused on the training and development of specialists and coaches. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win a championship, Bet Online has the latest odds, news, and information for all of your online sports betting needs. Visit the website betsonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, check out Bets Online, your online sportsbook experts. Episode 46 of the podcast welcomes Coach Garrett McLaughlin, currently in his second season with the University of New Hampshire Wildcats, serving as defensive ends coach and special teams coordinator. Prior to UNH, he was an assistant coach at Bates College from 2018 to 2021, serving as a special teams coordinator and defensive line coach. McLaughlin's other coaching stops were at Wagner College in 2017, New Haven in 2016, and SUNY Buffalo State from 2012 to 2015. He graduated from Syracuse University in 2012, where McLaughlin's coaching career began as a student assistant coaching with the Orange. Garrett, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing well. Great to great to be back on. Obviously, you and I have a ton of conversations offline, sharing stuff. Um, but, you know, always cool to be able to get it out there to the, the people, too. So I appreciate you taking the time to have me on, man. Yeah, I am honored to have you on because I know it's a busy time. You're a college coach, and we are, as everyone is well aware by now, we are very, very close to kicking this thing off. And it's been interesting in Florida, at least current events, we are getting about 50% of our games canceled for week one, which is Thursday, Friday, tonight and tomorrow we kick off here in the state for, for regular season. And it's not been a good start. Um, so I, I really hope that, that we figure things out. Um, I think we will, we're resilient. We went through 2020. So Entering this 2021 season, uh, I want to bring on a football coach who is not only a special teams coach, but a positions coach. You know, we meet on this show with several of the best specialists and special teams coordinators in the world, but most of these people are strictly involved in special teams. Uh, As a player, you weren't a specialist, um, and you've coached running backs, defensive line, but slowly you've developed a passion for special teams. How are you using this passion to sell the importance of special teams to offensive and defensive coaches and players? Yeah, I mean, I guess like 
kind of my journey to becoming a, a special teams coordinator was just started with my approach to it, right? Like I've always been a person who I, I've thought I need to star in my role, no matter what that is. And starting out, you know, when I, when I first started, I was actually a defensive backs coach. And so all the DBs are, are involved in special teams. So I was involved in coaching it. And, you know, if I was going to be involved in coaching, I was going to try to be the best I could be and learn as much as I could about it. And I ended up learning a lot. Our first special teams coordinator, uh, or the first special teams coordinator that I worked directly with, Neil Herman at Buff State. He's actually at the University at Buffalo right now. Shout out Coach Herm. Was able to learn a lot from him. And just because of my involvement there at New Haven at Wagner, um, you know, I just, and going out and learning from other people, I developed a base of knowledge of special teams to where, um, you know, when I got to Bates, they were comfortable enough to make me the special teams coordinator. You know, and from there, kind of my research and, and my growth in that area expanded. So I, some people like see the way that I approach special teams. And they think that I have like a special passion for special teams over the rest of the game of football. And I would not say that's accurate, to be quite honest. I just really love football. Um, and I want to excel in my role to the best of my abilities. Um, so, you know, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to research it. I'm going to have a lot of passion, bring a lot of energy to it, um, regardless of what that role was. It just happened that a lot of people maybe don't feel that same way about special teams and whether they're a coach or a player, you know, they don't approach it in that same manner. So when I've done that with special teams, that's, uh, I believe has kind of caused me to stand out a little bit in that area over some other people. Um, so long winded way to get to your actual question which was how do you sell it to players? And, and, and first of all, it's that, like have that approach to it, start in your role, right? Understand that like special teams, those plays are just as important as everything in offense and defense. That's a fifth of the plays in the game um, on average for an average team. So if you look at it, if you take the number of offensive snaps or the number of defensive snaps and the number of special team snaps and just isolate it, because, you know, at least at the college level, obviously some high schools are different, but, you know, you're, guys are only going to play offense or only going to play defense, right? So that's a third of your job now is special teams as a player, as a coach. So if you aren't taking that approach to it, you aren't doing your job. Um, and there are a whole lot of different analytics. We have the, the field position chart that I think everybody shows, um, but, but really fascinating. Like I, I found this over the summer, actually. Um, I think, shoot, it might've been David Stretch who you had on as your last guest here who showed it to me. Um, but there was a study that was done and the difference in just field position to the number of points that you score in your win percentage. Um, it was wild. If you, if you start, it's between seven and 10, if you have between seven and 10 yards, better field position, your win percentage goes up 18 to 19%. It was like, um, so the difference between starting on the 31 versus the other team starts on the 25 you know, raises your win percentage from 56% to like 79%. Like that was insane to me. Um, so first of all, just selling them on the, on the actual importance of it. And then I think like making it fun um, because everybody who we recruit, everybody, if you're a high school coach, everybody who comes out, you know, they see themselves as, as a running back or as a linebacker, you know, and Susie in bio 101, she notices that he plays football and asks what, what position he plays. He's not saying left guard on punt, right? So making it something that's enjoyable for them, something that they can take pride in. You know what I mean? Um, so after you sell the importance, in, make sure that while you demand like a really high standard of your players and you're very demanding of them, you also make it enjoyable and it's not a chore and it's not drudgery. 
um, you know, find ways to be consistent in your language and consistent in your message, but switch it up to the point where you're saying the same thing, but different ways to keep it fresh for guys and also to, to get things across from them. Um, I'm big on different incentive programs. Um, you know, we have three stars of the game um, to make sure they get that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll pull out different weird things depending on what's going on. A couple of examples of those. My first was special teams coordinator at Bates. Um, you know, my first special teams coordinator job. I told him the first guy who blocked a punt for me would have his picture on my desk for the rest of my career. And so shout out Liam Splain. Uh, he got the first one <laughs> against Williams, um, I think, in the sixth game. Um, in the 2018 season and his picture is still sitting on my desk uh in durham new hampshire now um another one i i gave him a in 2019 i gave him a bet that i would get a uh we we called ourselves the black ops at bates and i told them i would get a tattoo on my arm of the of the logo that we had if they scored two touchdowns in a game as a special teams unit Obviously, a, a very high mark to hit, but I think a very high incentive to, to get two to actually get ink on me. And I would get the number and I would get like the number of the players who scored on there, too. Um, so they and they went crazy for that. But but just anything to, to bring energy and excitement and buy in um, to that, I think, is, is really important. And you got to be a technician as, as well as a, a salesman um, and really in coaching in general. There, there's art and a science to it. Right. Um, but I think. Um, specifically when you're doing special teams, that's a, that's a really critical part of that, that role. I just think that obviously I'm a proponent for this third of the game. And I don't, I don't think, I think that we, we all can agree that there's an impactful, um, there's, it, it, it's a major, major player in, in all sorts of levels of football. And I think that those that acknowledge it and prepare for it, are typically the ones that are winning the games because, you know, oftentimes we are equal in ability to our opponent and then it becomes, what is the catalyst? And I think the catalyst is most often special teams, this third of the game. And I think that time is an issue. I think that uh, obviously we never have enough of it, especially at the college level with the 20 hour restrictions at certain levels with your athletes. Um, it then becomes less of a priority to, to fit in the special teams plan and the scheme and, and uh, these eight minute drills that we have to execute perfectly and prepare for. And I think that if people like you don't exist, um, it will not grow in terms of the, the appeal and the realization that winners win on special teams. And uh, this is by no mistake, this is just analytics. This is data, this is facts that um, if we are proficient in all three facets of the game, we, we win more. Yeah, and if I, if I could just say one more, you know, Piece to add to that, you know, I think like like the work that it takes to put in to be an effective special teams person, um, you know, the, the organization is really the most difficult part of it. Right. And and that's just that's just life. Like you're going to if you're going to do it the right way. Like you're going to have to get in earlier than other people. You're going to have to stay later, especially if you're going to serve the, the players in your position group the right way. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think like really great teams. And again, don't even, don't even come at it from a spec special teams perspective, but really great teams, the little things and the details are really, really important to them on offense, defense, and special teams and, uh, and every way that they go about it. Um, so I think if you're like really committed and everybody pays lip service to it, right. But if you're really committed to, to being the best and being the standard 
as a football team, as a football organization, then, you know, obviously special teams needs to be a big part of that. So, um, you know, just going with, with everything that you said there and kind of supporting your point, like you need to, you know, be willing to, to, to put that work in. And, and especially, you know, like you said, eight minute drill, like you better be organized and you better have all your equipment over there and you better know, and the players should probably hit the field knowing exactly what they're doing so you can get the most out of it. And I think that's where, you know, as a, as a special teams coach, uh, um, that's where you can really kind of set yourself apart that way and make a difference. Amen. And I was going to get at with the buy-in and all this, because obviously your paradigm is, is kind of where mine is in this, that this is important. This is part of winning. It's a huge part of winning. If we don't do this, we, we are giving ourselves a huge chance to not win. Uh, special teams, as I mentioned, is a catalyst. It, 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 it's a difference maker. It brings a change, typically a huge change, uh, uh, like I said earlier, an, an impactful change. It deflates people. It inflates people. It brings people back from, from being stagnant on offense sometimes. So I think there's still a disconnect here. Uh, and here I'm in football as specialists, um, as they train, we're often on the field. I mentioned we're out there for 20 hours at practice. And typically in those 20 hours, I would say 95 plus percent of that time, specialists are on their own field or by themselves, they're not being seen by very many people working. And hopefully they are working. And that's, that's also a problem, but I won't go there. Let's assume they are working. It's still not seen. We're still not in the trenches. We're still not in seven on seven. We're still not in one-on-ones. We're, we're, we're not doing a lot of these things with our teammates. How are you finding ways of integrating your specialists into the team? Yeah, I think that's so, so important, right? Um, you know, as to like kind of the flip side of what we talked about is, you know, the, the players who are normally offensive and defensive players, maybe they don't see themselves as special teams players. Well, the guys who only play special teams, you know, in some ways can be seen as guys who aren't, um, you know, always a part of the team or at least fully. Um, so I think it's really important to me to, to bring the entire team together for them to understand the, the work um, that the rest of the guys understand the work that they do. And also, so those guys feel like they're a part of the team because, end of the day, like if you're, if you feel connected, um, you know, to those hundred or so other guys who are part of the organization, you know, including coaches, trainers, all the rest of that stuff, um, you know, you are going to work harder for them. It's always easier to let yourself down than let a group of people down. Um, so, you know, just from a motivation standpoint and just for them getting out of the experience, what they want to get out of it, being a part of the team, like that's what's special about being in football is the amount of human beings who are, who are a part of it. Right. And the amount of people that you get to meet and impact and, all the rest of that stuff. So, um, you know, the first thing with me is, you know, I always like find ways to integrate them and make sure, you know, as the, you know, and we're a little bit of a different setup here at uh, New Hampshire, our head coach actually coaches the the kickers and punters. So that's a whole, whole different bag of worms, which, I mean, again, if you want to show your level of commitment to special teams as a program, have your head coach having that much of an involvement with the specialist, but yes, sir. let's just say that's not the case, which it wasn't the case at Bates. Um, you know, I would always, you know, when I, when I bring them up after practice, like the, the kickers punters were always meeting with us in the defensive line. When we did tackling circuits defensively, um, the kickers were a part of that, which I think is an important skill for them to, to learn. Right. Like, mm-hmm they might only have to make one. Hopefully they don't have to make any tackles in the season, but there's a good chance that one time the other team's kickoff return team is going to split you. And one, you want to make sure he's ready to make that tackle because that's a critical tackle that saves seven points more often than not. And 
like they need to also know how to safely make a tackle too and protect themselves so they don't they don't get hurt doing that. Um, but you know that also serves the purpose of showing the other players like okay these guys are working these guys are are doing the right thing these guys are engaged. Like during COVID, when I would do individual with our players, you know I would do you know two hour long sessions. So it'd be one with the D line and one with the one with the kickers um, or specialists I should say. Um, but I would always have 10 minutes in the middle there where we would um, do a competition and we would call it a period of shared adversity. Um, so it would be, you know, just some type of just conditioning exercise, whether it's, whether it's core, um, you know, something like that. So that all of those guys work together and then working on a skill and, you know, some type of, some type of comp- competitive deal so that all those guys were together, even though obviously, you know, the kickers don't have to learn how to get into three point stance and get off the ball and strike people the way a defensive lineman does. Like there are some carryover just athletically that all those guys should learn and just being able to be together. And again, having shared adversity together um, helps create that. And just always encouraging the kickers to, to be a part of that. It's so easy to just be isolated with your, your four or five guys that you're over there playing, you know, uh, golf, you know, kicking golf with and stuff like that. Um, but you know, when we're in team functions, making sure that they're sitting with other guys on the team and talking to them and stuff like that and getting to know them. Um, because again, just like, just generally, the more your team can come together, the more your team can know everybody else on it, you know, the more effective you're going to be and the better experience you're going to have. So those are some things that I've done. I want to add on to that and say that I think it's very important for specialists and people, obviously you're in a position where it's very nice that the head coach has a background in coaching specialists to realize that these are pitchers essentially in baseball. These aren't people who can do their activity for two to three hours a day, every single day, especially kickoffs, right? I mean, we we're limited in numbers, but that's why we have to fill our time. And you and I have talked at length and we're going to continue to talk on structuring a specialist practice, not just at the college and pro level, but at the high school level, it should become a practice in high school to structure your practice. So then when you go to college and if you go to a situation where the head coach doesn't coach the kickers, which is that, which is most as you referenced, you're by yourself, you're on an Island. The expectation is that you contribute in games, win the job. And if you do win the job, we want you to make the three. We want you to put us in a good position on punt. We want you to put it out of the back of the end zone on kickoff. We don't know how to do it, but we fully expect you to to figure it out if you run into a problem. So that's you know that's what, that's why I exist. Uh, I have a passion in fixing problems or finding repeatability when things are going well. And actually, but before you before you move on to that, you said you said a couple things that um, you know just sparked some things in my brain in terms of a coach and being able to serve your specialists properly. I do think, and this was this was a big deficiency that I kind of recognized in myself. Um, and really the, the reason why you and I connected in the first place is that I was a special teams as a special teams coordinator. I knew very, a very detailed and specific plan, how I wanted to coach the other 10 guys on the field. I had no clue what I was doing with the kickers. Um, and I think that is something that, that guys who are in positions like I am need to do the most that they can to, to be able to learn it. Like it's hard because it's different. It is. Um, and, and you got to, you, in terms of, I, I don't think you need to coach them any differently than you do with your, your other players in terms of demanding a high standard, in terms of them knowing what they have to do, in terms of them being in the right place. However, 
in terms of the, the workload and stuff like that you're putting on them, you have to understand that just from a kinesthetic perspective, it's a, it's a very different movement than a lot of other guys are doing and understanding that and being able to structure a practice plan. Um, you know, that's something that we got to towards the end of my time at Bates was, you know, have the practice plan and not only have that, but like allow our kickers to bring an iPad out in the field and be able to film it. And now, even though I'm coaching the defensive line, you know, during a, a normal practice period while they're doing their dry runs or, or what have you, whatever's on the practice script for them for the day, you know, being able to go back and, and review that film with them and coach them and have them feel like somebody's coaching them and like what they're doing on the day-to-day is important. Again, in terms of motivational standpoint, um, you know, they're going to feel much more motivated to do their work if they know that they're being coached off it and somebody like really cares that they're doing the stuff, not just going out and doing it on Saturday. So, you know, I, I guess that goes to, you know, the point of, you know, again, making them a part of the team. Cause the other, the other disconnect is like, while all the, all the other players are in position meetings, like, like, well, what are, what are they doing? Playing air hockey in the, <laughs> in the locker room, whatever, working on their putts, working on their short game. Um, so if they know that the kickers are position meeting as well, like, again, that creates that shared adversity, which I think is so much a part of creating a team. I'm going to credit my wife here. We talk all the time about our kids. We have a five and a two-year-old and frontal lobe development, obviously we know doesn't really, I guess, finish up until your mid twenties, at least in boys, it's probably a little earlier in girls, but I'm going to get somewhere with this. I feel that high school and college especially when you're talking about kickers punters and snappers and you just mentioned these guys are left on their own and if you're the division one program you have distractions and i, I don't mean like the negative distract i mean the positive ones like there's a game room sometimes uh th- there's your cell phone um you're, you're not asked by one of the 10 or 11 assistants or head coaches to go into a structured individual meeting often i mean you you are when it's like a kickoff or a field goal unit per se but very seldom are we called into a, a kicker or punter specific meeting and, and, and there become, again, distractions come up. So what, what I'm getting at with this is unless these guys have structure or a, or a 12th assistant or 11th, whatever it is, that's directly responsible for them, they're going to deviate from what's best for them because they're not going to make the best decisions always. They're still kind of developing that frontal lobe and sometimes they're going to deviate and they need guys like you to remind them, listen, man, we have a plan. And the last thing I want to say is if coaches that are listening that are like you, that coach football, they coach offense and defense, think of it like this. We've really embraced the thought of less contact throughout a, a work week or a practice week in hopes that we can sustain ourselves and our team through 10, 15, 16, whatever weeks we go, whatever level you're at. And I think that what we've done is gotten smarter. We've worked smarter. We've we found ways to go padless some practices and still work on space and time and scheme. And these are the things that I'm developing developing a curriculum for with specialists. And I think that we can we can fill this time with things that can benefit them, uh, even if the ball's not in their hand, if if you will. Um, so I'd like to talk to you more about that off air, and that's where I want to go next with you because I think that you're ready for that. Um, and I'm ready for that too. I want to see that become prevalent. I want to see that no matter what time of day it is, the specialists have something they're doing that's building their strengths or their skill set. Like with any other position, if, if you're the wide receiver coach and your wide receiver drops a ball and he's like, Hey, how can I be better at that? And I don't know. Just catch it. Like that's terrible coaching. Like every, any, anybody would say that. 
but I, I I feel like sometimes with specialists, it's like, well, I missed the field goal. How do I how do I correct that? I'm like, I fucking just make it, bro. Amen. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to swear that, yeah, but <laughs> but um, and, and I will say that like at the at the higher levels of college football, I feel like that's being addressed much better than it was. You know, when I was in college, you know, a decade ago, we didn't have anybody like that for kickers. But I know like Syracuse like came to that point, and most maybe not most, but a lot of schools now have guys with specialist backgrounds that are working as people. But, you know, if you're at a smaller college, you know, FCS or, or, or lower, or even, you know, the, the smaller time FBS schools and certainly in, at high school, like, you know, if you're going to be a special teams guy and you really aspire to be the best special teams guy that you can be, like learning and understanding what those guys go through, um, you know, what it takes to be successful at that and being able to give them at least some of the simple fixes, even if you're not going to be a guru, I think is, is really, really important. And just to simply challenge them, like, like I mentioned before we started recording is sometimes it's just a matter of giving your observation, generally speaking, not, not having been a kicker, but just say, Hey, you look like your weight shifting out. You're, but I have to remind the, everyone that's an expert in football on offense, defense is if you draw parallels to your position specific group, it's almost identical. I, I can draw parallels to stance and start in a receiver, uh, the mm-hmm. the base of a quarterback and an optimal throw. These are all very similar and comparable. And if, if things look unnatural or unathletic or kids getting shorter in his process, it's wrong. It's always going to be wrong. It's a rule. And I just wish that people would just coach football with these guys. Um, so I do want to finally ask you, I am going to ask you a hypothetical here. I'm a high school class of 2022 senior, right? Right now, current senior, or I'm a current JUCO, or I'm at a prep school. I've got a couple of guys that are prep school, one in Jacksonville right now that wants to be where you are in, in about six, seven months. And let's say hypothetically, I really want to go to UNH, or I, I really want to go to X, Y, or Z university. What are the best times to post film for you to see or perhaps they like, grab your attention some other way this fall on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, I think the best way is to message people um, directly, obviously, you know, I, I think have the same videos that, that you put out there. Um, but the more personal you can be with the communication, um, especially if you make it again, personalized. Um, <laughs> that being said, if you, if you try to make it personalized and then, you know, you send something to me that says, Hey, I've always wanted to go to Stony Brook. Mm-hmm. I want to say, uh, okay, bro. Like, mm-hmm. cause I, I've gotten those two where you, you know, the person's copy and pasted it, but then they forgot to change one part of it. So be like very, very careful um, when you're doing that as well, but, but reach out directly. Um, I ask the coaches what type of film they want to see specifically. Cause for specialists, like for me, highlight tapes don't do a whole lot for me um, because it's at a bad angle. You can't really see where it is. Sometimes you're unsure if they're kicking off a block or not. Um, and obviously you can edit that, you know, maybe you went seven for 15 on the season in field goals, but you showed all, showed all seven of your makes on your highlight tape. Like that doesn't, that doesn't do a whole lot for me. So have, like practice film, ideally when you're not using a wizard, when you're, you're snapping, holding, kicking, um, because being able to have that timing and, and seeing that is really critical for me as a coach as well. And get, you know, the, the best angle for me, if you can only do one angle, is to do directly behind, directly behind the snapper ground level, even like hold the camera to the ground. 
so I can see the ball contact. I can see the way you're swinging through it, all the rest of that stuff. Other coaches might have specific things that they want, but for, to me, that's the, that's the best angle for me to be able to see it. Um, and when you reach out to them directly, maybe link your highlight and say, Hey, like what other film do you want to see of me? What do you need to see to, to make me a recruitable player um, for you? And then just be very um, diligent with your, your follow-up to, um, to the communication that, that the coach gives back to you. Also be understanding that like, middle of the season, it's tough. Like I have like two days a week where I really work on getting through DMs and stuff like that. And the rest of the time I'm trying to put, you know, and, and I'll always, the guys in our program right now are always going to be my top priority, right? Especially during the season. Um, you know, they're the guys who have committed to be here. So those are the guys who are getting my main focus and energy, especially while we're playing football games. Um, but just understand, like, if you don't get a DM back in two days, we get one back a third day, like, you know, if he's if a college coach is responding to you, then there is some legitimate level of interest. Um, so just be patient while you're trying to trying to do that through the season and just send occasional updates, follow up. I think the most important things you said were were two um, game film, uh, highlight film, because it's usually going to be like a, in the form of a half season, five, six weeks. And then the end of the year, a, a summation of, of like the 12, 13, however lucky you were to play. But what I love what you said is that I tell my guys this all the time, everyone's an All-American on their huddle. Uh, no one's going to put their mistakes and they're going to put their very best things first. Uh, and, and, and maybe they're only going to put their best things, um, which I'm very leery if a kid sends me a half season highlight to review and it's 39 seconds long. What that screams to me is I know you've had 72 to 82 appearances on the field doing something on fourth down or kicking off how can you only provide 39 seconds to me? That's alarming. And the other thing I like what you said is the sticks. You know, I, I, there's a, there's a billion kicking camps out there and there, and every one of them has their own star or ranking system. And I think there's value. It's almost like a litmus test. You need to go to these things to see where you stand. I get that. However, I think it's very important to hear a guy like you, who's recruiting these athletes for scholarships or opportunities for scholarships is saying, uh, in addition to the sticks, I really need to see how you operate with a snap and a hold and preferably from this backside target line angle. And I think all of this can be done for free, right? Via a cell phone, via your JB kicker holding the phone after, or if you have to before practice with your snapper who may probably is likely a, an offensive lineman and your holder who is likely a receiver or a quarterback and maybe a punter. And I'll go one further. Why not during practice? Well, amen. You, you have a field goal period. Honestly, the thing that would be best for me, and I'm not even sure if I've ever seen it, and, and I, this just kind of occurred to me as you were talking, but why not, if you're trying to get recruited, why not ask your coach or injured player to stand behind during a field goal period where you're running through it and get the angle that way, you know, and then you get the full operation. To me, that would be, that would be ideal, and you're in pads, and you're seeing a kick with the full operation, and you get the best possible camera angle. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever seen a kicker. I don't, send me that phone. But I would love to see that. I think that would be very beneficial for my value. That's a great point, and it doesn't take much planning. I think the only change in plans would be bring your cell phone on the field, you know? <laughs> I mean. Well, like I said, if there's an injured guy, he's going to have sure, a cell Sure, you know? He's going to be he's gonna be checking Instagram all during practice anyway. Just have him, have him pause that and take a, take a video for you, as long as your coach is okay with it. I would definitely check with your head coach beforehand because he might have issues. But, like. I, I, if you explain and lay out the reasons behind doing it, 
I would, I would imagine most head coaches would be, would be fine with that. And I love what you said. You have never seen it or you don't recall having ever seen it. And I, I tell my kids all the time, if you want to grab Coach McLaughlin or any coach for that matter in college attention, you need to be unique. You need to stand out. You need to be different. And, and, and my channeling of doing that or what I ask my guys to do is be very specific in the things you post. Like today I'm working on plant width and depth or today I'm working on drive step direction or location. These things will draw your attention because they're unique. Everything else is the same and, and it gets kind of bogged down in the brain, right? That's how we operate. But unique things stand out and they, and they come to the forefront. So I really appreciate what you said. And that's feedback I'm going to share with my guys on Sunday is why not get these practice reps? You don't have to post them, but guess what? You're going to have that A day, post it immediately, right? Um, and it's the same thing that I do with my drill tape. Like get a big bank of it as much as you can and then take the best stuff from that. And again, it's just better film for you to be able to learn off and make adjustments. And you miss a kick, you can watch it back. And I could be, oh, my plant foot was too tight. That's, that's what happened. You know, whereas you might not be able to feel that in real time. That's being super proactive. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I want to ask you one more thing. And I've talked to you about this before um, earlier in the season. But I, uh, I want you to talk to me about Teams Talk. Uh, and pretend that no one knows what Teams Talk is. I want to know not only about it, but the direction where it's going and something non-football related that you've learned from the experience with Team Talk. Yeah. Um, so Teams Talk, it was something that I started back in the spring of it'd be 2019, really winter of 2019. So I was coaching at Bates College in the NESCAC. And, and for, for those of you guys who don't know what the NESCAC is, it's, it's basically the, the little Ivies. And we're very limited. We were very limited in what we could do with our players. As a, as a conference rule, we couldn't recruit on the road and we couldn't have spring, spring football. We really couldn't work with our players in the offseason. So it was honestly just born out of boredom and, and just out of a want to be able to get better at what I'm doing without, you know, being able to be allowed to coach under the rules. Um, so I just started Teams Talk as a, as a resource for other people to learn about special teams and also as a way for obviously me to learn about special teams. Um, so I just started posting videos out there and started to, to get a little bit of a followership and, you know, started to interact with some people through that. Um, and then, you know, about a year later, the pandemic hits. And I was like, okay, I have a little bit of a platform here. I have a ton of free time. How am I going to take advantage of this? Um, you know, always talk about my players of, you know, opportunity university, you know, you just got to be creative enough and work hard enough to be able to figure out what that opportunity is. Um, so the opportunity for me ended up being kind of, you know, kicking that thing into overdrive. So the first thing that I did was ask a bunch of the guys who followed that page um, just to submit like a 30 second video, whether it's a drill or a scheme and have like mini clinics. So it was Teams Tuesday. On every Tuesday for like the first six weeks of the lockdown, I would just, you know, between, I think it was like 3 p.m. and 5 p.m., but wherever, wherever it was, you know, between a few hours, just dump like 25 or 30 videos onto the internet and, um, you know, kind of, again, be a resource for people. Um, and then I decided to do like full-length Zoom clinics um, for free, just same reason for me to be able to learn. You know, it gave me access to, to so many awesome coaches. 
Um, and then also for, for people who are in the same position as me um, to be able to, to learn as well. You know, I'd, I'd created this, like I said, a little bit of a, a little bit of a platform that gained some traction. So, you know, the people who felt the same way that I did, I wanted to, to give them an opportunity to, to be able to learn from that. Um, throughout that, um, Jeff Reinbold, um, who's currently the special teams coordinator with the Hamilton Tiger Cats and is the world's most interesting man. I won't bore you with his whole story, but look up his Wikipedia. It's wild um, what, what he's been able to, to do in his life. Um, but he wanted to kind of create like a certification program like some people had, like, you know, June Jones has like, um, you know, like other guys have. Um, so we ended up doing that, which was cool. Um, and char we charged now $300 for that. Um, which was, was really neat to be able to put that together, kind of was able to combine some things that I know very well and I'm very good at, um, such as, as special teams and teaching that with like some things I'm not as good at, which is website design, which is video production. Like, and I got to, at a time where again, I couldn't do, do much of what my chosen profession was. I got to kind of learn some new skills, which was, was a really neat opportunity there. Um, and then ended up doing a bunch of stuff with our coaching network, which is another kind of coaches clinic deal and um yeah it, it's neat and now you asked about like <laughs> a plan going forward um from that i really never had a plan with this thing to start with i've just been kind of making it up as i go and I, i'd be lying to you if I, if I said i had any other um idea for it. it it might now right now you know we're in the season so i'm i'm worried about university of new hampshire i'm worried about us winning a bunch of games i'm worried about not getting fired like that's my, that's my main focus. Uh, I might post a little bit, but it's certainly, it's certainly not uh, with the frequency that it is when, you know, we aren't playing games. And then once off season hits, I'll, I'll reassess and, and we'll kind of see where we're going from there. Um, in terms of non-football things, I, I guess the number one thing that, that I would say, and I, I guess this is, is more of a people thing than a football thing, although it's kind of, related to football obviously is just that apologies for the siren that just went off going by there um but uh it's just people's willingness to you know help other people um because again like for the majority of this stuff it, it was all free um and it was really cool to see people's responses to and you know there was really no like recruiting advantage to to doing this stuff people just wanted, wanted to talk football and help others and you know, be a part of a community in a time where a lot of people, you know, didn't have that. Um, and that was, that was really neat. You kind of got to see, you know, the quality of um, some people. And I got to make, you know, including yourself, in, including Jeff, including, you know, so many other people, Lenson that, that we mentioned, um, you know, so many awesome and like a million names I'm leaving out, but so many awesome human beings, um, you know, in addition to being really good football coaches who I got to meet through this thing. Um, so it's been, it's been interesting. It's been interesting. Not, nothing close to what I thought it was going to be when I started it, but you know, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad it is where it is now. I I appreciate you sharing that, and I just I asked because it was a lifesaver. You know, as everybody went through 2020, and uh, everyone's plans were drastically changed, uh, shifted 180 sometimes in the completely opposite direction. That you gave me like a purpose, like I. I developed a network very quickly. I found it. I, I think just by the algorithm, special teams, I added you. I saw that there was like a, a, a true genuine passion for not only offering information, but, but wanting information. I think that was what was most appealing with you is I respected your knowledge, but I also respected that you're the first person to admit 
that you have areas to grow. And, and that was part of your purpose with it. And it, it really helped me, you know, it, it helped me in so many ways. Uh, you came up my show last week with a gentleman in England, David stretch that you referenced. And I, I, I really, I hope you can listen to that episode. I think it was episode 45, but you should hear what he had to say about that little project that you stumbled into, which is teams talk. It's really been a game changer in so many ways for so many people, um, special teams and outside of special teams. So thank you for that. Um, Garrett, thank you for joining the show. And I want you to, I guess, close us out with maybe offering a few ways, perhaps at least one that you would uh, be willing to give these listeners a way to get a hold of you on social media. Yeah, absolutely. And, and thanks for, for those kind words. I, I really, I really means a lot. Um, you know, I'm glad I could be some small service to, to people out there. Um, but anyway, um, you know, my main um, Twitter account is probably the easiest way to, to get a hold of me. DMs are open um, at underscore coach G underscore. Um, you can also, if email is more of your preferred method, um, certainly reach out to me via email. Garrett, G-A-R-R-E-T-T, period, McLaughlin, M-C-L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N. And then, um, you know, all the Teams Talk stuff is, is linked on my personal Twitter page too, so you can find it through that. Well, it means a lot to everyone at 4th Down Focus that Garrett McLaughlin was able to share information that can and will benefit your performance, both on and off the field. Please give us a five-star review. Subscribe to the show. Share it with a friend. If you have questions related to the podcast, please uh, reach out to me, Dan Lundy. Uh, you can find me several ways. My website is fourthdownu.com. has endless resources for both specialists and coaches. And on social media, my Instagram and Twitter are at fourthdownu. That's at 4-T-H-D-O-W-N-U. Thanks again for joining us at 4th Down Focus, presented by Bets Online. We'll see you again next week with an exciting new guest. And I hope 2021 is still treating each of you well. And remember, in all things, give thanks. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.